Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us is the official numbers cruncher of the Weekly Standard, the lovely and talented Jay Cost. And Jay, you sent out a tweet over the weekend that I found astonishing, and I didn't understand it, and I did some research and went, wow, here is Jay doing what we love it, that he you do and no one else does. You pay attention to the boring details in boring places like North Dakota. Yes, well, fabulous, lovely North Dakota. Uh, the Republican Party of North Dakota had its state convention um, in Bismarck this weekend, and just I just have to say, the North Dakota Republican Party is old school, which is my kind of Republican Party. They say, you know what? We don't need any primaries or caucuses or anything like that. We're going to bring we're going to bring together 1,700 members of the Republican Party, and we're going to hammer it out over the weekend, and we're going to select our nominee. Uh, Uh, And that's what they did. They selected a whole bunch of nominees for all their state offices and for Senate and for the House. But then they also selected uh, 25 delegates to go to the uh, Cleveland Convention. And those delegates are unbound, which is another way of saying that they are not obligated under the rules of the Republican Party to vote for anybody. They can vote for whomever they want. Nevertheless, Ted Cruz did an outstanding job um, on Sunday in uh, in North Dakota. Eight, he he offered. There were 25 delegates up for grabs. Um, he offered a slate of 23 delegates, not a full slate. Um, and I think that was because you know the, the he he didn't get an endorsement from the sitting governor or the sitting attorney general, uh, but that was out of deference to them. Uh, so he offered a slate of delegates. Eighteen of those 23 delegates were selected to go to the convention, um, and only there, of the tw- of the of the total number of delegates selected on Sunday, only one of them has been identified as having any kind of partiality to Trump. Which is and why you were, your tweet he's partial to McCain to, or to Kasich too. And so, which is why it was interesting you tweeted out that Trump leading up to the event made a big deal hey we're going to do great in north dakota yeah that was well that was i thought that was so funny so um and this is sort of you know the life of a you know a monastic delegate watcher such as myself in the hinterlands of western pennsylvania late saturday night everybody's either sleeping or out having fun and i'm watching the dispatches roll in from bismarck um, <laughs> Brother, this and, is a sad and, scene and, that is a so i just see you there and you're in your basement with a little light on and your video game screen flickering with atari games in the background as you yeah, scrawl out the results four, by the way oh, okay. I'm, I'm past my atari anyway uh so, uh, yeah, exactly. So I'm sitting there by, by candlelight, um, you know, ha- having hit the pause button on my PlayStation 4. And, um, you know, the Trump campaign, there's this story that comes out. Um, one of the Trump spokesmen says, oh, we are delighted with the, with the party slate in North Dakota, because in the way the process works in North Dakota is the party, the Republican Party Executive Committee, there, it's, it's some, some committee, puts together an official slate of 25 candidates. And the Trump people say, oh, we couldn't be happier with this. And they had just gotten the endorsement of the, of the U.S. House rep from North Dakota, who himself is an outsider in that state, by the way. So, you know, um, and then they said, oh, well, he Kramer, Representative Kramer has been acting like a Sherpa, which, which is their phrase, not my phrase, a Sherpa to, to bring these delegates onto the Trump train. And so that was late Saturday night. And I'm thinking, oh, well, that this is not a good sign, you know, because Trump has been done terribly at these 
conventions and the quote-unquote insiders, you know, all those party elites <laughs> who gather in Bismarck, North Dakota, exactly. which, you know, you know, they're they're so haughty up there, and they think they're better than us. You know, uh, the the insider establishment of yeah. North Dakota, or whatever. And by the way, just as a side note, my mom is part of that evil establishment in South Carolina. The people exactly. who show up you know, at the like, Lexington like, County well, okay, Convention. We have to take a detour here, Michael, because we need to. You know, this this concept of the establishment has been stretched and pulled and tugged out of complete and total recognition. These people, that you know, party people in South Dakota, North Dakota, South Carolina, to call them part of the establishment and to equate them with K Street or the Beltway, these are average, regular people, okay, number one. Number two, if you're a voting Republican, you depend on these people. These are the people who kick in, you know, 50 to 200 bucks, uh, not just on the presidential level, but to the state reps and to the local party, and they keep the thing running when everybody else in the country turns away from politics, and they come back every four years to assume that they're still a Republican party that's ready to carry the banner. These are the people who carry the banner. Those are the people who are selecting the delegates. Those are the people who, by and large, are going to be delegates in Cleveland. To suggest these people are some political elite cast is just a total misrepresentation, um, and it's it's completely farcical, and, 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 and it's being employed strategically now to delegitimize what is, by the way, a process that has been in place since the 1830s. This is an ancient process. It's perfectly legitimate. There is nothing wrong that is happening, and these people have every right under the rules of the Republican Party to do what they're doing. So and not that only that, way, but what they're doing is what you traditionally think of as running a political party and the people who are willing to show up and hand out flyers and willing to lick stamps and do all the other real work of a party there's nothing wrong with them having a leadership role in picking how the you know which way the party wants to go and in north dakota donald trump got his head handed to him because his team doesn't do that they were boasting about it saturday night then sunday morning i wake up sunday morning and the cruise campaign puts out its own slate um and the slate Oh, the cruise slate overlaps heavily with the official party slate. So right away you're thinking, okay, the Trump campaign doesn't know what it's talking about, which, you know, the fact that the cruise slate and the party slate had so much overlap was, you know, you think, you know, Trump doesn't know, you know, like Trump thought he had all these delegates lined up for him, he doesn't. But then, and this is, this is what to me was so astonishing, was that the cruise slate, there were seven people on the cruise slate who were nominated in North Dakota who were not on the party slate. Which tells me that of the 1,700 or so party regulars who filled out that hockey arena, they 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 are loyal to Cruz before the the party itself at this point. And so I tweeted out, I made this point that you know the idea that Cruz has good organization is certainly true, but I think it it misses the forest for the trees, which is that Cruz, to me, is becoming increasingly indistinguishable from the party regulars. Um, And that's what I saw happening in North Dakota. And so, you know, everybody right now is talking about Wisconsin, and there's 40-some-odd delegates up for grabs in Wisconsin. Right. But look, over the next week after Wisconsin, in between Wisconsin and New York, there's going to be another 40 or so delegates up for grabs between Wyoming and Colorado. 
both of these processes are going to be similar to what happened in North Dakota. And I, Cruz is going to romp. I mean, I think it's probably a fait accompli that he's going to sweep the remaining 10 delegates in, um, in Wyoming. Um, and so far, Colorado has picked six of, I think, 32 or some. I don't remember right, how Because yeah, they had a primary uh, thingy. They, they, they did like... The two-tiered deal, right? Yeah. Well, they so Colorado picks its delegates a lot, like a lot of states. They have delegates allocated at the congressional district level and then at the state level. And two of Colorado's six or seven—I don't remember how many congressional districts there are. Uh, however many congressional districts, there's like seven or whatever. So two of the six or seven have selected delegates, and all and each congressional district. Um, gets three delegates apiece. So six delegates in Colorado have been selected. All six went to Cruz. And all six alternates went to Cruz. And, you know, I'm increasingly of the opinion that, you know, like if Cruz walks out of Colorado with every delegate, I, I won't even bat an eye at this point. Um, and, and look, this is a problem for Trump. This is a problem on multiple levels for him. The first one is that, look, you know, you can't win the nomination if you're getting skunked in North Dakota and Colorado and Wyoming. I'm sorry. It's just, you know, you want to get to 1,237 delegates. This is not the way to do it, you know. On top of which, you're going to lose Wisconsin tomorrow. Um, you know, this, this, is, this is not the way to go. But beyond that, and this is, this is a trick, is that nobody – in all likelihood, it's going to have a majority of delegates on the first ballot. So it's really going to come down to um, later ballots. And, and what's going to happen is as they move forward in the balloting in Cleveland, Michael, is that, you know, right now, you know, we, people are electing, you know, voting in these primaries, and the delegates are bound to um, the candidates. Right. But they're not in most states. They're not bound in perpetuity. They're freed after, you know, some states it's one ballot, some states it's two or three or four or whatever. So as we go on to subsequent ballots, um, delegates are going to be able to vote their preferences. And in state after state after state, we are seeing a very distinctive pattern, which is that the preference among delegates is for Cruz and not for Trump. And so by attacking the delegate process now, do you think that Donald Trump is laying the groundwork for when they get to the convention, if he doesn't have 1237, and the process moves forward as it is supposed to? In other words, completely no you know, weirdo rule changes or anything, just moves normal like it's supposed to. He's going to say, hey, they're stealing from me. They already stole these delegates before we got here. Yes. I think that's exactly what he's doing. I think that Donald Trump is a marauder and that everything that comes into his way, he cuts down. And I think he's already done enormous damage uh, to conservatives in terms of, um, uh, you know, having a conversation, a frank yet civil conversation about immigration reform. I think the numbers on that are already looking bad for us. I think that his antics have inflated the president's job approval number by six or seven points, which is going to help Hillary Clinton in the November election. I think that he has also taken the uh, attention off of Hillary Clinton, which further helps her. I think that he, in, in doing all of these things, he has systematically enabled the Democratic Party at the expense of American conservatism. And I think that his final act in this um, play of destruction will be to delegitimize the rules of the Republican Party itself, which, as I said, he is going to go into Cleveland and he is going to have the biggest temper tantrum uh, mm -hmm. yet.
And journalists, credulous journalists, and partisans of Hillary Clinton are going to cover it um, as if it has any legitimacy. Mm -hmm. But as I said, this is a process that has been in place. Michael, this process predates the Republican Party. This process goes back to the Whig Party. Uh, the process of selecting delegates and endowing delegates with sovereign authority to select a party's nominee, this is an ancient process. Right. Uh, and he is going to go into Cleveland, and he's going to turn all of that on its head and cry foul and call it all illegitimate. And so his final act is going to be an effort to delegitimize the Republican Party itself. And at the end... He will have gotten an amazing amount of free publicity. Yep. He spent very little on this campaign out of his pocket, which is one of his problems. He's not spending enough state by state to organize these states, get the delegates, etc. So he's done it on the cheap, all for publicity. And then at the end, he doesn't have to actually run against Hillary Clinton. He doesn't have to lose 45 states. And he gets to walk away and say, well, they stole it from me. And then launch whatever the next TV show, you know, apprentice candidate applying, whatever That's the heck right. he runs. And, he's, and he's just going to he's going to he's going to tear uh, our our political coalition That's right. and the Republican Party, he's, which, by the way, by now has been around for 160 years. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's going to tear it all to shreds mm -hmm. in, a, in, an, in an exercise of vanity and ego and money-grubbing and attention-seeking. He doesn't care. And you watch, Michael, because the thing about the rules of the Republican Party is that they're old – and that they're and they're also but they're also legitimate. Mm -hmm. They are legitimate rules. What is happening? You know, you watch him complain about what is happening in like Tennessee. It is legitimate what is happening in Tennessee. These are old rules. They are older than any of us. Sure. Now let me ask you: what what is happening in Tennessee? Well, the fact of the matter is in the Tennessee is that the Tennessee Republican Party thinks that Trump is a huge loser, that he's going to get, you know, Hillary's going to turn, as you know what, into a hat on Election Day. Uh, and so they're not, they, they, you know, Trump's, Trump submitted a, a, a bunch of delegates um, to, you know, actual names of delegates. And the Tennessee Republican Party said, thank you very much, but we're going to choose these people instead, which is their sovereign authority to do so. Uh, and by the way, if the Tennessee Republican Party did not uh, behave appropriately, which I think they did, I think they know their rules perfectly well, but if they didn't, um, there's a process to handle that. It's called the Credentials Committee, uh, that itself is a, is a, is a functionary of the uh, Republican Party. Because, by the way, the Republican Party is a private organization. It is not a public organization. It's not a publicly traded corporation. It is a private organization. And it has private methods for dealing with contests and credentials and things like that. Uh, instead, Trump just decides, he just announces he's going to sue. He's going to bring the federal courts into the mix. Uh, and like I said, the whole, the, the purpose of this PR exercise, and that's all it is, is to make this seem like it's not a legitimate process. And, you know, look, the problem that we have as conservatives and as Republicans is that while the rules are legitimate, they are not well known because we haven't done anything like this in 40-some-odd years. But just because it hasn't happened in a long time doesn't mean that it's wrong or it's inappropriate. And Trump is going to take advantage of that because there's very few people around who know the rules well enough and know the history of the rules well enough to say, no, this is...
perfectly legitimate. Trump is counting on that, especially among journalists who don't know any better. Uh, he's counting on them to stick a microphone um, in, his, in his face and report everything that he says without any pushback. And the media are always happy to do that. You know, Jay Cost, you never get passionate about this stuff. <laughs> That's why we love having you on the podcast. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.